What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 66.5. And we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of the first game on our year of the JRPG list. Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah. Finished. In air quotes In that air I can't quotes. see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, last we left off, we, um, we had got the, all the pieces of the Mornstar, all the gems, uh, but we couldn't get it to fit into the Mornstar wand. We ran into a ghost woman who said that she is from another civilization that was wiped out by Shadar. So, um, and, but she feels that her queen is still alive somewhere. So we head to Perdia. Uh, and, uh, we meet the queen there, the woman who used to run this wiped out civilization known as, um, uh, Xanadu, I think is what it's called. Yeah, I think so. Um, when we get there, everybody is living basically in fear. Uh, mainly because everyone here is heartbroken, including the queen, who is wanting to do these rituals to people to cleanse them of their, their hearts. Basically make them feel nothing. Um, so we realize that the queen is broken hearted, but she also has a nightmare. Yep. So we take on the nightmare and beat it after we beat Pretty it. Pretty much the same as all the other nightmares. All the nightmares played exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and they were never difficult. Um, after we beat her, we then fix her broken heart with the power of love, uh, which we get from the sky pirate captain who apparently used to live in Xanadu too and was in love with the queen and everything just fits in this nice little mold and it's almost too perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, we use the power of love or as the game describes it as the thing that makes the world go round. Oh uh, yeah. And, um, she says that she can help us. She can, uh, she can actually retrofit the, the gems into Mornstar by using a spell. So she does that, and we now have the full power of Mornstar on our side. Um, is this where we also learn the ability Mornstar? I think so. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, we get the Mornstar spell. The Mornstar spell is a very powerful spell that hits enemies with light, uh, but it takes, it has a big wind up to it. Hits a single enemy, right? Yeah, it hits a single enemy. We get a we get another ability like that that hits multiple enemies, but it hits them with yeah. darkness. The most important spell in the game for the last fight. Well, I will talk about that. <laughs> um. So after we have the power of the Mornstar on our side, we now have to make our way to Shadar himself, the big evil. 
We go to the big bed. So we go to, uh, well, in order to get to his castle, we first have to go through a swamp. Yeah, I had a hell of a time trying to figure out how to get to the swamp. Yeah, they won't let you land right there at it. Yeah, you can't land anywhere. I'm trying to land in the forest. I'm trying to land in the swamp. I'm trying to find a, a patch of ground somewhere between the swamp and per- Perdita. I couldn't find it anywhere. I tried walking in from the other direction. There is no other direction. I didn't realize you have to go out the other side of Perdita. Yeah. You have to that go sucked. through Perdita to get to the pathway that then leads to the swamp. Unfortunately, we can't get into the swamp because there is a fog, a poisonous fog that is covering the entire place. So begins fetch quest number 820. We have to then travel to each city, talk to the respective king or queen of that city so that they can then make this horn that when we blow into it, it makes the fog go away. This was a nice 30-minute detour that was not needed. Yep, I'd agree with that. Once again. But anyway, we get the horn. And we travel through the... What is it called? I can't even remember what it's called now. Other than the Miasma Marshes? That's it, the Miasma Marshes. Um, But yeah, we go through that relatively long dungeon there's actually a save point halfway through it yeah there's a few like that and you can tell it's going to be a long dungeon when they do that yeah but um as we're going through the swamp we get a cutscene of shadar uh saying oh he's on his way let's uh let's go reveal something to him that may really screw him up and so he sends his minion uh which is like this big dumb idiot <laughs> who vile has- heart Vileheart, who has the, the, what looks like the, I guess the vial that, uh, contains Oliver's mom's, or the, the soulmate of Oliver's mom's soul inside of it. And we have a boss fight with him. When we have that boss fight, after we beat him, which I didn't think he was that hard. I didn't actually lose to him. Yeah, he's intimidating looking, but he's actually not that hard. Yeah. Uh, he then reveals to us what is inside that container. And it's not mm-hmm. actually the soul of um, Oliver's A- mom's soul. Allie? Is, is it Allie? I can't remember what her name is. I think it's Allie. Allie. Uh, it's actually Memories of Allie. And... Is it memories of Allie or Allie's memories? Well, both. <laughs> um, and basically what it is is that we get the big reveal that that scene we saw when Shadar trapped her, she actually escaped Shadar's uh, cap- captivity. And decides to not only time travel to the past, but also create a gateway to Motorville or Oliver's world to hopefully birth the child who would save the world. 
which then Oliver realizes the entire time we've been searching for my mom's soulmate when my mom and my mom's soulmate are the same person. Yeah, there is no soulmate. Yeah. Alicia is Allie. Exactly. So, basically, there is no saving mom. This entire quest has been for nothing. And then Oliver passes out. And they wake up days later? And they're back in Perdita. Perdita. And uh, Oliver's still out of it. And we actually take over as Esther as she goes and looks for Swain. And he's right outside of the the town. And as they're there, they get attacked by Vileheart again. Um, But Oliver luckily wakes up with the help of... What's that? I was going to say, just in the nick of time. Yeah. Because the, the other two are out there getting beaten to a pulp. Yeah. Which is basically what would happen because they're so incapable useless. of defending themselves. Yeah. So freaking useless. <laughs> so, um, I... Uh, Oliver wakes up with the help of P, the little girl that is invisible to everybody except Oliver. And she basically coaches... Oliver to be like, hey, everything's not for nothing. You helped out a lot of people. You've, you know, you've fixed broken hearts and you've done a lot of good for the entire world. So Oliver then believes in himself. Perhaps Oliver was broken hearted and he just needed a little belief. Uh, good thing P can save him. Yeah. So... Oliver then shows up. We have another boss fight with Vileheart. This is when we use Mornstar, and he takes him out really easy. Yeah, wreck him. It does like 400 damage. Yeah. And um, after that, Oliver's like, you know what? I want to keep fighting. Let's go take out Shadar. So that's what we do. We, uh, We continue on. Go back to the the marshes, travel through them, and we make it to Shadar's castle. Nevermore. Nevermore. Giant castle. Although the dungeon's not that big. Dungeon's not that big, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, so as you're running through the castle, the camera shifts in these weird ways to where it's almost... It gets to a point where it's completely upside down. Yeah. There's a lot of good equipment in this dungeon too, so yeah. it's a pretty good little dungeon for me. You know, it was, you know, I, I liked sort of the twists that they were doing with the camera work, uh, and then you know I'll always take better gear because it's so crucial for some of these fights. Yes, it is. So we travel through here. Um, I did I did a little bit of grinding here, um, and we finally make it to the man himself, Shadar. And uh, when we get to Shadar, there's a few more revelations. Uh, the first one being, Shadar asks, are you sure you want to kill me or defeat me? Because if you do, you no longer exist. Oh, man. 
pulls back his hood. Yeah. And well, you, you can't really. He, he looks like a, a beast. Yeah, he, he kind of looks like a, a goblin or something. Yeah, he looks like a goblin. But what is revealed is something that took me completely by surprise. Is that Shadar's Oliver's soulmate? And by surprise, I mean bull fucking shit. I knew it. <laughs> and that's the theme for Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch is that um, the theme is we know this, we know this, we know this. Now it's revealed. I told you I knew this. So, yeah. Yeah, again, it's not a very nuanced game. There's only so many people that could have been a soulmate. I mean, there's not all that many options. Right. So, yeah, he's either the Wizard King or he's Oliver's soulmate. (laughs) And that's about it. Yeah. So we, uh, we decide to, uh, we don't care what happens to us. We're going to defeat Shadar. For the good of the world. Yep. So we have our first boss fight with Shadar. I, I, I had a tough time with this. Did you really? If I remember correctly, is this the fight where he kept freaking teleporting all over the place? Yes. Yeah. I. It took me so long to get to him that by the time like I got my sword up to try and swing, he had already teleported away. I'm like, well, I, I barely can hit him. I just kind of stay in the middle and hope that he teleports near me and then try to get some slashes in. Well, I didn't have a problem with this. Um, In fact, I want to say I beat him the first try. The game, the combat itself has become, screw my party members, they're going to die within a minute of the fight. I'm going to either use my cat guy to go up and slash a guy until I need to heal, then I bring it back, heal with using like healing touch or whatever, and then repeat the process. Uh, or the other option I have is screw my familiars, just play as Oliver and constantly spam magic attacks and use, mm-hmm. use MP coffees, stuff like that. Yeah. See, I didn't use those at all for the game until the very end boss fight. Mm-hmm. So most of my f- boss fights that were difficult involved me rotating between mighty and Puss in Boots, because I feel like Puss in Boots' evade was never half as good as Mighty's defend option. Well, So th- this fight in particular, I lost probably four or five times before I realized I just can't use the cat anymore. Um, because every time he would cast something, I would have to like go back to Oliver and then try to find – and then try to defend, and it was too late. That's all I could do because – even though Mighty is only like four levels lower than my Puss in Boots, um, Mighty is completely useless. When he hits hmm. somebody, it does two damage. Uh, he can only take probably four hits before he's dead. What? It, yeah, he's got he, such good defense, though. He, he's fucking useless in my game. I don't know what it is. He's fully, oh, is he not outfitted? No, I mean, like I, I put the best armor I could on him. And then I, and when I started noticing that he wasn't doing crap, I just started taking it all off. 
Puss in Boots is the only familiar that is worth a damn in my party. Oh, I I found out that whenever I was losing, it was because I was relying too much on Puss in Boots. And then I went to Mighty, and I, I was able to beat all of the bosses I couldn't otherwise beat. Uh, it Mainly his defense. So I, I don't remember how much damage I was doing at the point that I was at the Shadar fight. But since I'm most familiar with the end boss fight, at that point... I had Puss in Boots doing about 60 to 70 damage per hit. And I had Mighty doing about 20 or so. But if I used my Rally Cry or whatever, mm-hmm. War, Cry. War Cry, yeah. When I had, after I would do War Cry, he'd be up to about 40 to 45 damage. So not 60 to 70, but still way better than any of the other characters. Um, the thing is, is that. My Puss in Boots, which was my best familiar, was doing maybe 30 damage per hit. At this point? At this point. And, well, no, throughout the rest of the game. Oh, man. <laughs> the reason why is because I never metamorphosized any of my familiars after that. Because it would take too long to grind. Too many tokos. Yeah. And I even grinded for tokos. Like that was the thing. Is like I, I've spent an entire hour running around Perdita, like grinding for tokos, toko tokos, and you know getting a level here and there. The problem is, is that my mighty, even though he was outfitted and you know the third level, you know third metamorphosis, the final metamorphosis, he still wasn't doing crap. <laughs> so I just gave up. The problem is, put some boots. The second level of Puss in Boots, uh, after it says they're metamorphosizable or whatever, uh, when they hit level 55, they stop leveling up. Oh, no. Yep. So I have certain uh, familiars who are like level 59, 60, and then I have Puss in Boots, who is what I'm using all the time, level 55. Oh, I think I had them at about 70 for the end boss. See, I, I, I didn't... I. I I didn't grind as much going into the final boss because I had such an easy time with Shadar. Yeah. And I'm sure if I were to go back and grind for another hour or two hours that I would be able to finish this game. But I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't care anymore. Uh, I don't know why I find your your apathy and your hatred for this game so funny. I I hate. <laughs> there I, it is. There's the word. I, I I still hate Alone in the Dark worse than this game, but I <laughs> hate this game so much. And I'll tell you the reason why. And they're not going to be the same reasons I I. Probably Same not. problems I have. Probably not. But let's before we get into why I hate this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's continue on with the story. Yeah, this build up is killing me. <laughs> after after we beat Shadar, uh, we have another boss fight where we don't recuperate from the boss fight, the first one. Yeah, they like that strategy. Yeah, they really game. like that a lot. Reason number one, I hate this game. Um, but it's with a giant, like, suit of armor. Yeah, I call it the, what, the, not the Dark Knight, but some other type of knight. I don't know. 
uh, yeah, it's like the, not the evil knight. So like the dark knight or the evil knight. Yeah. Uh, so we fight Batman and, um, I didn't find this too difficult. Uh, I beat him and is that it? Or do we fight Shadar one more time? Yep, there's the final form where you do recover your all of your MP and HP before this, thankfully. Um, And then you fight him as what? Not evil, but he's like a he's a giant form. Yeah, the giant. Which I I thought was actually the easiest of all the versions. It, It is because you can avoid every single one of his attacks. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's the Eternal Knight. Okay, there you go. But uh, after we beat his final form, we go into like this weird dream world. This so this part requires some explanation because this is the end of the game, the way that it was launched on the DS. Okay, and you can tell because it feels like the end of the game. Yeah. Swain literally says, our journey is at an end, or some, something along those lines. You know, our quest is over, something like that. This game clearly ends at this part. So, you know, when you beat Shadar, they have the scenes that can't feel more like an ending. Like, the sun is finally breaking through the clouds. The land is turning green, and it's recovering back to its glory. Yeah. Everything is being set right in the world. They sh- they they switch back to the Studio Ghibli animation, and they're they're running through fields. They're so happy that they've reached the state and they've saved the world. It, it is over. It's done. You've beaten Shadar. Not only that, but you get to me maybe the best couple of minutes of the entire game, which is Oliver finally coming to terms with his mother and finally saying goodbye. She can't come back. We know that. He needs to go on with his life. She comes to him and says, I'm so proud of what you've done. You know, live live your best life and, you know, be good to everyone around you. I, I, I know you'll do well. I believe in you. And then she floats off into the sky and disappears. So he finally gets his closure. This is the journey. Save your mom. You can't. But now you know that's okay and you'll still survive and so that to me that was perfect it was the end of the game and i got essentially everything i wanted i would have been happier if the game ended here yes where it Uh, should have ended yeah and did end the one thing we didn't talk about was shadar like basically shadar gets a conscious i don't i don't know it's it's he he basically just like you beat me well, you find this with both bosses, both of the end bosses, yeah. the real one and then the tacked on one, is that they both become relatable. Like they, you know, they both give their justification for why they're so evil. Yeah. Shadar was uh, a knight in training, and uh, they were ordering him to go and like like raise a village and he wouldn't do it so they then decided to raise the village anyway and he 
saved a girl, a young girl, uh, and got her out of the town, told her just to run. And then when he comes back to his home, the, like the government had set his home on fire and I guess killed his family. And he, he kind of went nuts and, um, became the dark Jin. Um, interesting side note, that very girl that he saved was Albert Einstein. No, it was, uh, P, um, which I guess makes sense. In, in what context? I mean... How did this happen? Is Shadar older than P? No, P is really old. Like 10,000 years old. So, who did he save? He saved somebody. Mm, good question. He saved Oliver's mom. Is that what it was? Yeah, Alicia. Alicia. That's what it was. Excuse me. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes more sense timeline wise. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we see he has a tragic history, and that's why he turned evil. So, cut to the celebrations. We've defeated the Dark Jin. Shadar is over, and everybody's happy. They're throwing a party. Everybody's, you know, everybody's real happy. Confetti is flying. And Oliver's like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to my world. I'll come and visit you guys, I promise, you know, and stuff like that. But he's like, I got to go back to my world because, you know, that's where I belong. That's my home. And everybody's like, all right, bye. And as he's opening the gateway, shit starts falling from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this ash known as mana is falling from the sky and it is quickly turning everyone into monsters. And everybody's like, oh my God, what's going on? But luckily, little P shows up and protects (laughs) Oliver and company and they get the hell out of there. So that's when we regroup at the Iron Wyvern, which yep. is the the floating. Well, not floating. It's like the the airship. Yeah, Kublai's airship. Yeah, Kublai, the the sky captain's airship. And we got to come up with a game plan. Well, <laughs> little P. Yeah. Says, Unfortunately, that that crew turns into monsters. Yeah. Uh, little P is able to fix the mana. Uh, she has uh, a special spell that she can use. Sanctify. Sanctify, which is also known as Sanctify, <laughs> uh, that can revert everything back to its normal state. And there are these crystals that are basically supplying this mana and we have to destroy those crystals. So, we then have to go back to every town 
starting with Ding Dong Dell. Yep, there's three crystals. Three, three major towns. Three major towns. Three kings or queens. Uh, well, the, the third one's not a king or queen, but uh, basically what ends up happening is is that on the Iron Wyvern, everybody's kind of gathered together, including the king of Hamelin, which is Swain's brother, Marcuson. And Marcuson says, I want to help you guys. So he joins our party. Unfortunately, we can only have three people in our party. Guess who I got rid of real quick, fast, and in a hurry? Swain. Hey, you got it right. Because he's useless. The only thing Esther's good for is sometimes she heals me. Yeah, and I also like her penguin. So whenever there's a yellow ball of energy mm-hmm. for a super attack, I really like the winter's grasp or whatever it is that the penguin does. Uh, yeah. That's, so that she that that penguin's pretty good as far as a magic user goes. Yeah, pretty good offensive magic, and. While not good, like, physical attacks, it's at least non-zero. And a lot of the char- I loaded up both of my characters with um, the monoliths, the evolved forms of the monoliths. Mm-hmm. And I had a real problem because they don't do any damage. So oftentimes, Esther and Swain would just switch to the monoliths, and they'd be bashing on an enemy for zero or one damage each. Whereas at least Swain's main character would do okay damage. I also equipped Esther with the the skeleton. I don't remember what his name is, but there's a skeleton. And I gave him a pretty good sword, so he did pretty decent damage. But the penguin was the only one that was a little bit of both, like a strong magic user. And then... You know, fifteen to twenty damage on a on a hit with the with a staff. So right. I, I liked him as a more versatile. If if I was playing as Esther, it was the penguin that I had as my uh, my familiar. Yeah. So we go back to Ding Dong Dell. Luckily, I can avoid all the enemies here. They're slow. As I shit. could. I, I needed to grind a little bit more though. I kept grinding throughout these sections. So. We have a boss fight, and that's with King Tom, who has turned into this giant monster of a cat. Yeah, demon Tomcat. Yeah. Um, and it's very, um, very telling because he has two forms. When you beat him and get his health bar all the way down, he then refills his health bar and does different attacks. Yeah, stands and up and becomes more aggressive. aggressive. That's fun. <laughs> uh, beat King Tom, no problem. Went to Al Mamoon, and I had some problems with Khalifa. Because she has an ability that hits everybody. And when she starts casting it, you got about one second to switch back to defend. Yeah. Yeah, some of these timings were tight. Are really bad. 
And on the end boss, I felt like I was actively getting screwed. I, w- I was actively getting screwed. I will talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll <laughs> get there. Don't worry. Reason number two, I hate this game. But yeah, the tight timings was cert- – it was the kind of thing where I would have to play the boss a few times in a row because let- let's say I would play it once and give up on it and go back to him the next day. I wouldn't necessarily remember that timing quite as well. So I, if I would get halfway through it, I wouldn't mind just losing and being, all right, let me, let me, let me do this again. I, now that I think I can get the timing or again, I had a tough time on any of these fights when I was using the puss in boots, then they would charge up an attack and I would try to switch back to Oliver, then either defend with Oliver or switch to mighty and defend with mighty. That was ridiculous. It, it almost never worked because it, Took too long. Yeah. But I couldn't stay with the cat because the cat just doesn't even have a defend option. So I, a lot of these fights I would try a couple times with the cat and then just be like, nope, I need to switch to Mighty. It's going to take a lot longer because he does less damage. But that's what it's got to be. Well, I finally, it's, to me, it's dumb luck. To me, it is RN Jesus is really nice to me today and. She's not going to do that dumb attack. <laughs> it's it's all luck. It's all luck. And that 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 was how I made it through mo- the majority of the rest of this game. But I beat Khalifa. Um, and then we traveled to Hamlin. Uh, going to Hamlin, the boss here is not obviously Marcuson. It is that giant tank that we fought originally. Yeah, what, the, the Porco Rosso or something? Yeah. And uh, this one is resistant to physical attacks. Well, that makes Oliver useless with his familiars. I died at least four times with this boss and then finally said, why is this a mechanical monster that is weak to electricity? Why is this stupid Esther... Not using her shock abilities on him. To which I said, screw this. Screw Oliver. I'm switching to her. I switched to her. I used all of her MP to shock the crap out of this thing and beat it in one go. Mm. Reason number three. I hate this game. Fuck the AI of your teammates. Like, it's not that hard to program AI to say, hey, I know the weakness of this thing. Let me just spam that. That's all you got to do. But no, you run up to the enemy and hit it for one damage with a physical attack. What is going on? Yeah, no, no argument here. The AI is clearly useless. I mean, there's no defense of it. It's just bad. The only—I mean, I—I guess I didn't mind sometimes changing characters, but anytime I was sticking to my normal game plan, which was 95% of the time of being just Oliver, yeah, you can't really count on them to be anything more than a distraction. Yeah, you know, sometimes they can. They can draw the ire of the enemies. and The problem is is that since I'm doing the most damage to the enemies, 
most of the time I'm aggroing them. <laughs> yeah. To which I just set everybody to keep me fucking healthy, please. But there are abilities. So some of the other some of the other familiars have the ability to specifically draw the boss. If you cast it. So sometimes I would do that and I would go to them and say, hey, just follow me around. Yeah. And then that would free up uh, free up Oliver just to wail on him. Yeah. So there's um, – I don't know. Uh, the, the story beats, um, every time we beat a boss, we shatter the crystal using Sanctify and uh, each crystal has a flower. These flowers are revealing – the history of the White Witch. The White Witch just so happens to be the little green-haired girl, P. No way. I, it, trust me, I was flabbergasted. Um, you remember? You remember a few episodes ago, or like most of the episodes that we've done on this game, I kept saying, um. I don't like to bash on this game. Today I like bashing on this game. Today's the day. Today is the fucking day. It's the day of reckoning. If ever there were a day. (laughs) Oh my god. So, anyway. Reason number four I hate this game. Predictable story. Uninteresting characters. Alright. So, the White Witch... Was little P. Uh, Cassiopeia is that her name? Yeah, either Cassiopeia or Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia, Cassiopeia. Um, her father, the great wizard king, died when she was a little girl, and she was then left to rule the the kingdom, this ancient ancient kingdom. Thousands of years old. Unfortunately, she was surrounded by a bunch of douchebags. Uh, power, hung- power hungry douchebags. Power hungry and corrupt men who they formed a council, which is the council that we've been seeing. Uh, it's, it's funny how clearly they turn evil because they're just a bunch of old men one minute and then they're old men with glowing red eyes the next minute. Yeah. So they they become power hungry and rule the um, rule the entire kingdom with an iron fist. Uh, as she is getting older, she wants to become part of the decision making when it comes to the the kingdom, and she wants to rule fair. She wants to help the poor. She wants to to be a good ruler for her people. And uh, the council's like, yeah, sure, we can, we can totally do that. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, she'll take all the blame for it. That'll work, right? And she f- then begins to study magic, and she learns of this special spell that she believes could solve all the world's problems. Basically, manna from the heavens. Sounds too good to be true. I know. And uh, when she cast that spell, she unwillingly kills 
everybody in the kingdom, including the council members. So, she then goes crazy. Guilt ridden. And becomes the White Witch. Yep. After a long time, she's already immortal at this point? I'm guessing so. Because it takes, I guess, thousands of years before she's, like, transformed fully. Right? Because I think it's 10,000 years since she cast the spell to when the game takes place. Okay. I think. So... Basically, she turns into the White Witch when she decides that she does no longer want to live in this world. And by that, I don't mean die. By that, because she can't. Yeah. By that, I mean she wants to separate herself from pretty much all of her humanity. So she does so with a spell and creates little P. So now she is just this corrupt shell of a woman and all of her humanity is left inside this little girl it's tough what loneliness will do to a person that she then vanishes to Oliver's world so P decides that she wants to save herself basically and commissions Oliver to help her along with everybody else, on storming her castle and ridding the world of the White Witch once and for all. So begins the final dungeon of this game. The Ivory Tower. The Ivory Tower. Relatively big. It's got about three or four save points in it. Yeah, there's the one little tiny part before this where you have to go plant your flowers that you got from each of the crystals that's true not much happens though no it's just we get a, a scene where the white witch is basically saying come get me basically yeah um, but you also you, you get to go to the island that's been shrouded in clouds the whole time right Nazca right that's that was where the original civilization was yep um and you can only land on the part that has, I think, a dragon logo on the ground. Yeah. Because, and then you... Yeah, that's when we reveal the ivory tower. Yep. Yeah. Once you plant the three flowers that you got from the three kingdoms. Yeah. Or the three memories of... Yeah. Cassiopeia. Uh, so, we then travel to the ivory tower, go through this dungeon... There is a, another Toko, Toko Cold is what it's called. Yeah. Generates, tw- is it 36? 24. 24,000 experience points. I did get about two or three of those. Yeah, I ended up getting two. Um, Seeing four, they're very slippery. Yeah. The, um... But after making it through the ivory tower, we get to close to the end where we run into Callus. Or not Callus, Gallus. Gallus, Gallus. Gallus, yeah. Gallus. 
and he's been helping us this entire time. And he tells us that we ha- he has one more gift for us to help us out. And it's his wand. But he can't give it to <laughs> just anybody. You have to prove yourself that you're worthy. Go figure. Yeah. It's a trope in this game, and it's a trope in almost every RPG. And uh, it's just one. There's got to be a reason to initiate fights with people other than prove your worth. Yeah. But so, apparently not. Yeah, we had to prove our worth to uh, the the freaking uh, genie in our uh, our alchemy uh, cauldron. And yeah. guess what? I never used it ever. I didn't either, but I thought about... I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it, but also the best weapons in the game are all obtained through alchemy. Is that it? Is that how it works? Yeah. So if you were going to play this game after the... Bo- well, I mean, if you wanted to take the full 50 hours to play the game, like it se- people seem to think you should spend on it, you-, you could easily spend however many hours alchemizing a new sword and then getting the individual components that you need to alchemize the next level sword and get all the way up to uh, I don't remember what the top one is but I, w- I was thinking about how I was trying to calculate how long it would take me to get the best sword in the game to f- go back and finally fight the end boss again but I decided if I st- ever want to go back to this game I'll do it in New Game Plus okay. I'm not going to do it before the end boss but I, I do think that's kind of cool. That really extends the life of the game. I mean, that's basically what was in Rogue Galaxy. Yeah. And unlike this game, I actually did a lot of the alchemy in Rogue Galaxy. Because it was stuff... Because I was able to do it as the game progressed. I never learned an alchemy formula. I learned two the entire time. And, like, I just couldn't be bothered to to research that stuff. Do you think that's because you were playing this game sort of on a schedule? Partially, yeah. Because I do find that sometimes it's not it's not the same experience. So, sometimes it's better for me. For, for stories, it's better for me because I play in bigger chunks and I play it more quickly than I might otherwise. But you don't necessarily get that expansive, like... Oh, I'm going to spend three or four hours trying to figure out alchemy spells, right? Because it, you know, it it doesn't really tie into what you need to do. Yeah. Sometimes this is the type of thing that I think might get lost in the in 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 the way you play it. That's true. But uh, yeah, we have to have a boss fight with Gallus. Um, I didn't have a problem with this guy. No, I. I weirdly didn't have a problem with him or the next couple of fights. I didn't have a problem until the very, very last fight. Hmm. So, uh, after beating Gallus, we prove ourselves worthy. He gives us his, the final, I guess the final, um, wand. Yeah, Astra. Astra. Because I, I felt like Gallus spent so much time switching his element that uh, he almost never was even attacking me. I felt like he spent all his time engulfed in a circle of color as he was trying to figure out what type of spell he wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, he just 
Waste of time. Yeah, all the Easy. time I was just wailing on him. Yeah. So, um, but Gallus also reveals to us that he is actually the spirit of the great wizard king himself. There he is. Finally. Which, once again, <laughs> I've been saying this whole time. Uh, his spirit then goes into the wand that we now use, and we are now fully powered up. Ready to go. At this point, after I beat him so easily, I was like, I got this. I think I got this. Yep, another hour I'll be done with this game. Yeah. So we continue on through the Ivory Tower. We make it to the throne room. And uh, there's the White Witch. She's there surrounded by her council members and her bird. And Oliver says, I'm going to beat you because the world's worth saving. And she says something in regards to the council. And he's like, you don't have any power because you're all alone. The council died. Yeah, the council doesn't exist anymore. And everybody disappears. The council members just fade away. She fades away everything. And they're like, what the crap? And they're like, well, it was what Gallus said. You know, everybody died. She's yeah, there ten, by herself. She, she spent thousands of years alone and went crazy yeah. and really invented her imaginary friends. Yeah. The, the she's but she's so powerful in magic that she can literally manifest them. Yeah. So we travel on just a little bit. Some long hallways in this long, ivory tower. Long, long <laughs> hallways. And uh we go through the last long hallway and make it to the real throne room where the white witch is there. She's there by herself. She has her bird, but she makes it fly away, too. Just yeah, she says, you, you probably realized he was also a figment of my imagination. Exactly. <laughs> Apis. And now it's uh, now it's time, the final showdown. Between the White Witch and Little Oliver. Uh, so, the first boss fight is with just the White Witch. With uh, her kind of cool star cloak and her... White dreads in her normal form. Yeah. Uh, in this form, she is resistant to physical attacks, which means I'm doing 15 damage with every hit. It makes this part long. Makes this part very long. To which I then switched to Marcuson and said, Spam every magical ability you have. <laughs> which I did. And kind of beat her relatively easy. Cut to the next version of her. Which, like Shadar, you do not you reset do not your stats. Yeah, you do not recover from it. You do not get fully healed and full MP. On the plus side, I didn't need it because it was basically just use Puss in Boots and go to town. That's kind of what I town. did. Yeah, that's kind of what I did too. This one was a little bit longer because there was a few times, you know, obviously I would have to, to switch back and guard. Yeah, I thought th this this form of the boss only had one hit though that was devastating. 
the annihilation attack. Yeah. With the, the sort of basically the laser beam. Yeah, which could be avoided. Like it can definitely be avoided because if you're standing to the side of her, yeah, it won't even yeah, hit it, you. Yeah, it doesn't have a great field. So angle. this version of the White Witch is a wolf-looking thing. Yeah, I wasn't sure. In my mind, I thought it was like a horse or something, but maybe it was, it was a wolf. It was like a some kind of giant beast. Yeah. Um. When we beat her there, her mask falls off, and P shows up and says, it's finally time. It's finally time to for me to become one again. Thank you, Oliver, for everything. Goodbye. And P goes and basically turns into light and goes inside of the White Witch. To become one. To become one person. She now has her humanity back and she emerges out of the white light as regular... Queen, yeah, Queen Cassiopeia instead of the White Witch. Yeah, Queen Cassiopeia. And she's like, thank you, Oliver, for finally helping me. It's been a long time, but I'm ready to move on with my life. Come, let us enjoy some festivities. Oh no, wait! One last thing. One last thing, like Columbo over here. So the council members that she had manifested via magic in her her insanity memory has broken free from her and is now sentient <laughs> and the council members have turned into this head abomination with satellites floating around it yeah it's like a giant orb with a face and crab arms and then yeah it like summons these security orbs security drones yeah that also have crab attacks And they say that, nope, we're free from your crap, and we're going to bring on a new white witch, and we're going to destroy this world like it should have been. Because that, that was their rationale the whole time, and her rationale, this world needs to be destroyed so we can rebuild it the right way, or it can be rebuilt the right way, so that it'll work. Because humanity failed, life failed. We need to hit reset. The big reset. Yeah. So, we now have a boss fight with this monstrosity. But, luckily, the queen herself is going to be helping us out in this fight. She's not a party member, but she is constantly doing things during the she fight. She is literally the best player on that field, other than Oliver. Yes. So she is, if somebody dies, she uses resurrection on them. She heals people. She also does a few magic attacks, not much. But they do stun the council. Yes. Which is nice. Gives you a little bit of breather, provided and, you've got the drones out of the way. Yeah. And she also does, what was it called? Hex? Nyx. Nyx. 
which then opens up the giant head for a chance. Now's your chance. With her yeah, help, you- with her helping me, I was still unable to beat this. And there's a reason why. The reason being that the head casts this ability called chaos. Yep. And when it casts this ability, it's devastating. It does 200 and something damage to everybody. And at my current level, Oliver had around 320 hit points. So usually when she casts this or when it casts this, it would kill my other two party members or if not gravely wound them and Oliver is now gravely wounded. The queen can only do so much. Yeah, and her spells are slow. Her spells are very slow. And the window... So here's what I think is happening. When you hit defend, when you choose to defend, there's a timer that clocks down. And when it finally finishes, you stop defending. So there's mm-hmm. like a window of defense. Yeah, you don't want to defend too early because they can come out of it before they get smashed. Exactly. The The animation, when it begins to cast that devastating chaos attack, if you defend too early, the animation will take so long that you stop defending during it. And get hit with 200 damage. And it's weird because there's certain attacks that are, I would say, in-game. Where you're still controlling Oliver. There's other attacks that you stop controlling Oliver, everybody's standing, and the attack happens. And it's almost like you're watching a small cutscene. Yeah, it's almost like whether it's a group attack or a single opponent attack. Right. So, the chaos one is a cutscene thing. Why the developers decided to say that even during cutscenes, your defense clock is counting down is beyond me. Because I saw the attack coming... I defended, I had my party members defend, but their defense runs out before the attack actually comes. Oh, that's just pattern recognition. They're basically saying learn the timing, right? Get better Get better at the timing. Or do what I was fucking doing throughout the entire fucking game and make it work properly. Because I'm literally defending when I see it come up. Which is what you've been taught to do this entire game. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. But they they have thrown in throughout the whole game... Spell warm-up times matter. 
Because there are some attacks from some bosses, especially, where the timer's like two seconds. And you, uh, if you, and this is, this is where I felt like I was getting screwed in this fight. Because I can't tell you how many times I went to cast Even Star, and as soon as I started to cast, Chaos started. Yeah. And there's not enough time for me to get off my spell and defend. It's just impossible. So whenever that happened, I knew I was going to take the full brunt of the Chaos attack, and there was nothing I could do. And I felt like more often than it should have happened, they timed it so that as soon as I started casting a spell, they started casting a spell, and then I couldn't defend. Yeah. That's... But but they've done that other other places in the game where you, some attacks are just faster, and you need to learn to... I, I guess time your spells around their spells as opposed to just whenever it's free cast whatever spell you want. So I I do agree that it was frustrating. I don't agree that it was a problem with the boss fight. Well, I found it to be a major problem. I found it to be majorly frustrating. <laughs> so that's not the worst of it. Because the worst of it happens a little bit later I defeated the white witch relatively easily this final boss fight I did not defeat it killed me I then hit continue and it says whoa you're going to lose some money because of this to which I said I'm never playing this game again after I see this last cutscene I don't, don't care need. about I don't care about money anymore. Continue. I don't need a bank account. Hit continue. It sends me back to before I fought the White Witch. Yep, it's one three part battle. I did this four times. On the fourth time, I got up. I went to my PlayStation Three, and I hit the eject button. I then put it in its case and put it back on the shelf. <laughs> and I will never in my life pick this game back up again. That is so definitive, so conclusive. It, was that all? Are you being serious, A? And two, was that all in one sitting where you played it, couldn't beat it, and then just said, fuck it, I'm done? Yes. <laughs> I have had enough of this game. <laughs> I've had it up to here. I am mad as hell, and I'm not, <laughs> not going to take, take it, it anymore. anymore. <laughs> I seriously, I I'm done. Uh, like I am at the final boss of this fight, dude. I had it down to like almost dead, even like probably five more Morn Stars, and it would have died. But yeah. everybody was dead, and so now I've got those fears coming after me, as well as the boss casting chaos. I don't want I don't want to think about this game anymore. <laughs> I am so done with it. Nino Kuni has defeated me. I admit defeat. I concede. I'm done. Fuck this game. Yeah, I had a much slower finish to the game. I basically got here and got murdered. Like didn't get the council down below 75 or 80% twice in a row 
And because of what you described, because there's that long run-up, you have to go through two full boss fights before you even get back to them. Yeah. I did it twice. I lost. I said, well, I could, I could be here a day. I could be here a year. It might, I might not do this. So I'm going to go grind. No. So I went back to the ivory tower. I searched out every nook and cranny, which, again, this is one of my favorite things about the game. While I was grinding, I was banking experience because of the occasional toko, which is what I needed to do, although you know, getting plus two to your attack this late in the game probably is not going to do much, make much difference. But it is cumulative, so it's only, you know, maybe plus one or plus two to your attack, but it's plus one or plus two to every stat of 12 different characters at a time. So I do think there's a lot, a lot more value gained from simultaneous small incremental increases. Not only was I searching out the ivory tower much like nevermore it's a trove of new equipment and every one of them is the best piece of equipment you can get to this point in the game i got so i got every piece of equipment in the ivory tower i didn't the first time through i was running through i fought the boss and then said can't do it i went back and scoured the ivory tower so that that was nice for me because in doing so i was able to get i don't know six or so five or six pieces of new equipment and then third, you're getting all this money. So I was able to exit the Ivory Tower, go back to Perdita, buy literally the best of everything for every character. So I do like that as I'm grinding, I'm grinding like three different ways at the same time. So that an hour of grinding can, can actually make a significant difference in your offensive power. Right. Which I like because otherwise it's just grinding – just looking at your stat bonuses on a level, and it's not really all that beneficial to your progress. Yeah. So I, I grinded a fair amount in this game. I always felt like it was the most rewarding grinding I've ever done in an RPG. Hmm. And then I went back to the boss and still got murdered. <laughs> like, maybe I got, I got the council down to 50% or so, maybe even 40%, but not really that close. And the, the the part that was more frustrating to me was I don't know how well I'm doing because it's not a battle of attrition. It's I'm doing pretty well, and then all of a sudden I get caught in a chaos. My entire party's wiped out and hit start over. It's a cheap shot, yeah. So I'm like, shit. If all you know, two hundred and thirty odd damage to my entire party, at least fifty percent of the time is probably going to kill my whole party. Yeah. So. I went and did a little bit more grinding, not all that much, and then went back and said, all right, I, I have to be powerful enough because I've been doing well up until the point that I died. <laughs> so I took – I think I took another two tries. So I think I probably fought – did the whole end boss gauntlet probably six or seven times total. Yeah. But I took it much more defensively in the end. I, I made sure I was always maxed out. This is the only time in the game I've ever used cappuccinos and the like. I was able to use all of those, all of the espressos, all of the uh, the ones that provide like 100 MP and 100 HP to your whole party. So I had a, a couple of those and a couple of the advanced ones of those. It's 200 of each to your party, like yeah. a wizard's vial or something. Uh, the, uh, the Great Sage Secrets. Yeah. So I used all of those. I used all of my espressos. 
And basically, I just kept casting Evenstar, Everstar, whichever it is. I think it's Everstar. Everstar. Um, because I really had to try and manage those extra security drones. And th- this was actually the one fight in the whole game that I thought the other and the other party members were useful because they casted so many multi-hit spells. I had uh, Marcus on casting Thundercloud Thund- or Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Um, and every time that you have an actual successful block of the chaos, literally every I think at least ninety percent of the time I would get one of those yellow orbs. So if I if there were no drones around, I would have Oliver go get it so that it would be a direct attack to the main. Uh, the main council, and if there were drones, I would take the penguin over because that was that was that was even better than Everstar. I think it was probably 500 damage to every opponent. What level were you? Uh, just about 70 or 70 to 72. Okay, Oliver was 59 <laughs> when I was doing this. And so, but the last thing that I did that I did differently on my last run was. Because I, I, often I would have my two party members dead, and it was literally just run. Don't even try to fight, just run. And then give the queen enough time to resurrect the teammates. Mm-hmm. And then I could I could bump them back up to full, and it would basically be like me hitting the reset button. And say, alright, I'm ready to start over again. And so, that was sort of my approach in the end, and it was, it was enough... Uh, but it it got me to the point where I was having the same feeling that I've had throughout this game, which was finally to the point where I I really liked the combat in this game. Because I can't tell you how many times in this end boss I had two of my three characters dead, where I was I was on the ropes, on the verge of death. One thing could have gone wrong and it would have been, you know, start the cycle over again. And in this, this was one of the only fights ever where I had that happen to me, and my one character left wasn't even Oliver. You know, if I'm inhabiting the body of Marcuson, and that's my only character left, I pretty much have given up on this fight. Yet somehow running away was enough for the queen to resurrect Oliver. I could re-inhabit Oliver's body and get back to where I needed to be, and it was... It, it felt so dynamic to me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to die the next time they cast Chaos. I don't know if I'm going to be able to outrun the drones and survive until the Queen can help resurrect my characters. And I, it was just this constant, like, on on the edge of defeat, but surviving. And it, it, it was one of the most dynamic fights in the whole game. Uh, it was one of the most rewarding fights in the whole game. And... Uh, I don't know. It it was it was the really really satisfying to finally beat the council because I thought it was also way harder than the fights before it. Whereas the game hasn't been super hard before. I've, I've never felt like it was more than a, a couple of levels under leveled at the most. But th- I was just floored the first couple times I fought the council, and then you know through more levels, more equipment, unique equipment, and a better strategy. You know, I beat him, and I felt really good about it. Well, I'm glad you did. 
<laughs> so tell me about the ending because I didn't even watch it on YouTube. Yeah, I just did. There isn't there isn't one. Really? The ending is after you fight Shadar. Okay. So I don't remember at what point. Maybe this is after you you beat them. I, I thought it was before though. You find out that the Wizard King was Cassiopeia's father. We already knew that, right? Yes. Well, we knew that after the Shadar stuff. Yeah. And join the council as Gallus to watch over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, you beat the council, and then everybody just kind of goes their own ways. I, I don't know what Swain is going to do. Presumably, he's going to go back and rule the kingdom with his brother. I don't have any idea what Cassiopeia is going to do. She can't go back to ruling. It's been 10,000 years. Uh, and and that's about it. Oliver goes back to Motorville. Yeah, they all kind of say thank you. Uh, that's it. I don't, I don't even think you go back to Motorville. No, you do. It, it's really weird. You go back to Motorville and you're like flying around on a broom. And, you know, your, your buddy's back there. Your buddy's back there working on his car, like he always is. They they give you a few snapshots. There's there's nothing in depth. No no dialogue. No big decisions. It's just kind of some snapshots of life back to what it, what it's going to look like. But it, there's no big like animated Studio Ghibli animated cutscene to wrap everything up. It it it's not there because the ending was after Shadar. Which, okay. which is strange because it it makes this whole white witch uh, arc really really feel like DLC. It, like it should not be part of the story. The story comes to a climax and an emotional climax at the end of the Shadar fight. You learn everything you need to know. There's resolution. It's done. This whole thing. While I think it's an okay arc in itself, you know, what happened to her, you know, the way the council kind of betrayed her and used her, and the fact that she went crazy, and then now that she, you know, she gets her full circle redemption, although, I don't know, she didn't ever redeem herself, really. <laughs> she went from being evil to trying to kill me to losing. I don't, I don't see where the redemption is there, but... Uh, but it, it doesn't feel like it's part of the same story. It feels like it's it's a separate thing that would have been cool as DLC, but was felt out of place in the main main game. I think. So uh, you do get a couple of spells, though. You get the Nyx spell, yeah, that that the Queen was using on the Council, and you get the Ashes of Resurrection spell, and then it drops you back into New Game Plus. But before you fought. Or went to the Ivory Tower. Uh-huh. So you can go do all the rest of the stuff in the world. What did you do then? Uh, I turned the game off. And that was that. Are you ever going to go back to this game? I would like to say yes. Because I would. I do think it would be kind of fun. I know there's some optional bosses that you can only fight after the game. There's also all those swords that I could alchemize. But realistically... I'm probably not not ever going to. Yeah, I I I like the game a lot, but 
I felt a little bit let down with this whole end arc. And that, that ruined it a little bit for me. But more than that, the world isn't maybe big enough or strange enough or interesting enough for me to want to spend a lot of time in. I do, again, kind of want to figure out what those swords look like. I wouldn't mind at some point having the best sword and then going back and fighting the council again just to... I think it would feel very satisfying to beat them handily. Right. To say, yeah, you used to be good, but I'm stronger now, and you're no match for me. Hmm. But as as much as I might like that, I probably will not invest the time to do it. What was your final clock time? Uh, the final clock time was about 37, 36 hours. Okay. To which I would say, because of a lot of resets, I would probably put my actual time at around 39 hours. Right. So not quite the 32 that I thought it would be a couple episodes ago, but definitely not the 50 or so that they said it should take. Yeah, I was 31 clock time. And I'd, I'd say with resets and stuff like that, probably 34, 5. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get into final, final thoughts after these emails that I have. First email comes in from Jason. Says, uh, hey guys, finally some story and character development. After 59 hours of gameplay, which was included a fair amount of grinding and side quests, Oliver has come to terms with his mother's death, saved the queen, defeated the final boss, and returned home. Overall, I did enjoy the story and characters. Actually, the story was really good, especially from Nevermore Forward. However, I think a good portion of the mid-game could have been removed or condensed considerably. There were too many quests that mostly involved running around that, did add, that didn't add anything to the story. For example, uh, there would not have been any difference without running around talking to shopkeepers in Alma Moon, and the entire portion of making the Clarion could also have been removed. The Clarion tangent seemed there is an excuse to get Phil back in the story. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was the... Uh, there was that part where the Clarion gets stolen by a little frog, <laughs> and yeah. his soulmate is Phil, the guy who worked on the cars, because he's heartbroken because he blames himself for Oliver's mom's death. Forgot about that. Yep. But I think he's right, and to your point earlier, it, it feels a little weird when there's the, all right, now we need this... We need the Clarion. Oh, but there's three pieces we need, so you need to go around and get them. Or there's three orbs we need for the wand. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you're like, yeah, this is clearly padding. It's not even disguised. It's just clear padding. Yeah. Uh, I think it might have been better uh, with a few less locations and a lot less repetitions. This is a good 50-plus hour game, but there's still a great 30- to 40-hour game in there somewhere. I might play some of the post-game as there are some optional bosses, and I think the backstory of Horus would have been interesting and add some additional depth to the setting. That's true. I would like to go back and, and get the whole Horus story. Yeah, see, I didn't. I, I met him that one time, and that was it. Uh, I wish uh, they had made it a post-game environment, though, rather than just taking you back pre-White Witch Battle. However, yeah. I have uh, played post-games where how the characters moved on did not match how I pictured things, which uh, almost, which is almost as worse. Final Fantasy X2, for example. 
It has been fun playing along with you guys to hear your thoughts as, as we went. I look forward to hearing your final thoughts too. Keep gaming, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Mm. Uh, I just lost my emails. Hang on a second. My phone. I gotta <laughs> get a new phone, dude. Yeah, I did the horror stuff only up a couple of a couple of iterations of seeing him. I, I went back, as I said, after that first time where I'd missed him, I went back and found him, and then he shows up throughout your journey and you have to answer some of the Horus's riddles, and then he gives you a spell and then he you know fucks off and does whatever else he does until the next time you see him. Yeah. Um but I, I did I did one or two more. I don't know how many interactions with him there are. I, I guess five or six maybe, seven. I don't know. Um, I know he shows up all the way at the end when you're at Era Memoria when you put the flowers or the memories in those flower pots. Ah, I gotcha. And that that may be the last time you see him. I think he gives you a, a pretty strong spell there if you've been following him all the way through. Right. Okay. Uh, last email comes in from Chad. Says uh, final impressions for Nino Cooney. So I'm assuming you have now beaten the game. Well, Matt has. I've been reserving my impressions for the final episode. For the most part, I liked it. I wasn't in love with it, but I liked it. I side more with Matt's impressions. For the most part, it felt refreshing. It felt like uh, playing an old-school RPG without the old-school jankiness. I feel like a lot of Drew's complaints were not oversights from poor development, but it intentionally implemented to coincide with the tongue-in-cheek presentation of the game. The back-and-forth search for restraint in Alma Moon was a perfect example. The game had you going from shop to shop, only to realize that uh, restraint was right there where you started. I think that was an intentional moment to make you sit back and say, Son of a bitch, and cause a little chuckle. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, you can, you can go with that, but it, it didn't make me chuckle. It just made me say, What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, however, I can't explain why, uh, away, I can't explain away why Ollie's pendant didn't glow when standing right next to the guy. Yeah. That I definitely chalk up to as an inconsistent, uh, for, uh, to the lore and something I don't care for. Uh, the Batam system was manageable. Uh, I went through a series of ups and downs regarding my thoughts on the combat. I thought it was a little clunky at, at first and then started enjoying it and then started feeling a little more overwhelmed by it. Then started hating it because of the horrible AI partners, then came to terms with it and was able to figure out how to make it work best for me. Although I absolutely love turn-based RPGs, I'm not sure that would have been the best direction for this one. I would have liked to see them adopt something more similar to the pause-based strategy uh, battle system used in the original Dragon Age. In that way, it could be real-time battle elements, but allow the player to have more control and be more engaged with what each party member is doing. I enjoyed the pacing uh, through most of it, but started to get uh, glassy-eyed once I started looking for the stones of, of from Mornstar. It was at that point I decided the game was a little too long for its own good. It seemed to me that the uh, that during the pre-planning phase for the development of the game, they probably developed an epic storyboard, but then fell short. Uh, being able to execute their grand vision. Whether they started to run out of time or money or both, it seems like they started to make some compromises during the development in order uh, to push the game out. Uh, it definitely starts to feel that way at the end for me when they uh, go through several series of storyboards to explain the backstory and plot twist reveals. 
I also wonder if uh, the Japanese version was fully voiced. Uh, despite the negatives I have listed, here is the reason why the game was enjoyable for me. I have a five-year-old son uh, that played along with me. Although I had to explain a lot of the story to him, he seemed to be really enjoying it. Uh, hmm. Plus, I let him name all my familiars, evolve them, and feed <laughs> them. It was something we could passively play together, let him call some of the shots. However, I totally get that this game comes off disjointed. Its presentation seemed geared towards a younger audience, but ultimately plays like something geared towards a seasoned RPG player that is used to grind fests. Although I enjoyed my time with it, I think I can reasonably say that I don't ever plan to pick it up and play it again. I'm done. Although I had initially been excited to play the sequel, my expectations have since been tempered. Studio Ghibli is no longer involved, and they have made some drastic changes to the game formula. Gone are the days of the familiars. However, I hear you get to play as the grandson of King Tom, and maybe the drastic changes they have made for are for the better, but I doubt Drew will be picking it up anytime soon. He uh, still has uh, Witcher 3 to beat, after all. Yes, I do have The Witcher 3 to beat. Me too. Any, anyway, thanks again, uh, as always, for slogging through yet another backlog game, for better or worse. I'll probably be joining you all again on two or more games this year. Definitely hit me up if you're planning on playing Lost Odyssey or Suikoden 2. Mm. Chad. Uh, P.S. Well, there's, he sent another email right after that. Uh, one more thing. Have you considered playing Yakuza 0 or Yakuza Kiwami as a JRPG? No. I've I, never played a Yakuza game. So. I have played, well, I've played Yakuza 1, 2, 3, 4, <laughs> and Kiwami. I never played Yakuza 0. They have RPG elements in there, but they're a beat-em-up. I, I don't know. I like Yakuza. Um, sometimes it's hard to follow since there are so many characters. It feels like freaking Japanese Game of Thrones almost. Hmm. Um, there's so many characters and they're all with different clans and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's wild. Um, but no, I have, we have not considered Yakuza. Um, Lost Odyssey is one that we would like to do. I would like to do at least. Matt, do you? It is one of, yeah, it's, I, I own it. I've wanted to play it for a long time. Yeah. Um yeah, we we've got we've got a, a short list of games that we'd like to do. Um but we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to do my final thoughts on the game. Yeah, I do just want to comment on Chad's comment on duration because again, if 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 you would have cut out the white witch stuff, this would have been a 30-hour game? Yeah. And to me, that's almost kind of like a sweet spot for an RPG. No. Uh, I, I have liked 50 and 60 and 70-hour RPGs, but good lord, do they take a long time to play. Yeah. You know, 30 hours for me is it's enough time to allow for the character development, but it's not so long that, you know, it, it takes six months for me to beat it so I, I don't know I mean it, it did end up taking me closer to 40 with the White Witch stuff but I, I wish that wasn't there anyway for other story reasons mm -hmm. 
Um, so I, I don't know. I thought the, I thought the length was pretty good. I, I don't know. I, I wish maybe they had handled the, the the middle stuff better because again, I think it just looks obviously like filler when it's you know go find the three pieces of this and the three stones and. No, fuck you, stones. <laughs> you know, it, it it makes it feel longer than it is when it when it's that obviously filler to me. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the fact that they're sort of forced grinding, which makes it feel longer. I think. Uh, but but you know I I don't know I really like the landscapes and the the variety of towns and I, I appreciate there's a, that there's a ton of stuff in this game I did not do that I could have done all the bounties. Um. You know all the alchemy, so I, I don't know. I, I almost that, that's almost to me the way I would say I would want an RPG designed. Yeah, where I can beat the story in about thirty hours, but then there's easily another thirty hours of stuff to do if you want to, if you yeah. want to go back to it. To, to me, that's nice. I can get the story once, and then if I miss the game and want to go back to it, I have more stuff that I can do that's actual progress. So that part of it I liked. Uh, you know, and then I also really liked all the quality of life improvements. Uh, I, I really liked the cheapness of healing at the inns. I liked that they weren't random battles. All, all the things we've discussed throughout the episodes that I thought made it easier to play. More or less fun, I don't know, but certainly easier. Well... I don't know what else to say about this game. I, um... I don't know. There was just so many things I didn't get along with. Yeah. And it felt like... I don't mind grinding in a game, but when a game makes you grind, that's when I don't like it. And this game makes you grind. And makes you grind like really hardcore. And I don't know, it just... That on top of a a story that I feel like didn't really pay off. Everything was predictable. The only thing I didn't predict was the fact that I thought that the bird was going to be running the show like in Blue Dragon. (laughs) Um... I don't know. I like I the the combat never I never fully grasped. I mean, I think I fully grasped. I got it. I just didn't like it. I I it, there was I couldn't tell you how many times I I was looking at my teammates and they were literally just standing there. Like <laughs> th- they weren't attacking, they were just standing there. And I was hitting all out attack and they're just standing there. And I don't know. I just I maybe maybe it's me, but in a game like this or in, in any game really, I want to be fully control of everything. If you remember Persona three, the original Persona three, you couldn't tell your teammates what to do. You could give them suggestions, but they acted on their own. And I hated that about Persona 3. I want to be in full control of my party members in a role-playing game. 
And that really didn't sit well with me. Especially when there's obvious things that they could be doing that they're not doing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I didn't like this game. I, I really didn't like this game. Yeah, I, I certainly had problems with the AI, and I thought the story was a bit of a letdown as well. So, I, I'm a bit conflicted. I certainly don't hate it. I, 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 I would say I like it. I would I would say it's a pretty good game, but with some reservations. Yeah. Well, let's let's do this then, since uh, well, I'm a game reviewer, or I say I am, not a very good writer. But um, what would you give this out of ten, just out of curiosity? I feel like if it had ended after Shadar, I would have given it maybe an. Eight and a half. Uh-huh. And with everything else, it, it kind of brought me down a little bit. I don't know. I I think what it does well, it does well. And it, it's a good game. So, I, I don't know. Somewhere between a seven and a half and an eight, maybe. Yeah. Maybe an eight. I don't know. Probably an eight. Okay. I, yeah. I was just curious because I know you, 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 you know, you're definitely more positive than I am on it. Yeah, there's a lot of things I like, and if it had ended on a strong note story-wise, after a satisfying battle, I would have maybe been more positive about the whole thing. Right. I don't. I don't like. There's still some good in this game, you know. Like I think that you know the uh, the voice acting was good when it was there. Um, the music's great. I think that the presentation and the look and the lore itself is really good. I just feel like the execution and everything in this game was just off. Like the pacing, there was pacing issues, there was uh, combat woes, there was just difficulty spikes that forced you to grind. And for some people, they really like that kind of stuff. And I, I just, mm-mm. Yeah, I'm torn. Like, on the difficulty spikes and the grinding, I can see how people would be turned off by it. I wouldn't say I liked it, but I would say I'm absolutely neutral to it. Yeah. You know, basically I'm like, oh, all right, well, I have to go grind for a little bit. Because, again, I, I think I mentioned this before. To me, it, it almost feels like Persona to some degree. When, you, when you're when you're in those dungeons, you're just grinding, and it it doesn't feel as forced, or maybe it feels more forced because you have to. they force you into the tower every single night. Or every couple of nights. So in some ways it's almost more forced in Persona. But it's structured in a way that you come to expect it. Whereas in this game, if if what you want to do in a two-hour play session is progress, and you can't do that, and you have to go grind, it feels like a waste of time. Exactly. Persona has always had that sense of urgency. I have to make it through this tower. I have to make it through this dungeon because somebody's going to die at the end of it. You know, and I've got I've got a deadline kind of thing. Yeah. See, for me, I've always come down on, I, I think it's similar to the random battle thing. Because if I want to progress, I don't want to do 100 battles in the next hour. Or I may say, you know what, I, you know, I had a rough day, I, I, my brain's not working that well, I don't want to think all that much, I'm just going to grind for an hour or so. I, the, I love the fact, I love RPGs that don't have random battles because I get to choose when I grind and when I don't. 
in the same way that Persona allows you to choose sort of when you go in. This game doesn't. If you hit a boss that is unexpectedly difficult, you have to grind, and it doesn't matter what else you wanted to do, really. Exactly. So maybe, maybe in some degrees, I would, in some ways, I would equate it to that. It's more my ability to plan out my gameplay session. If I can do what I want to do, I'm happy. If I'm forced to do something I don't want to do, I'm unhappy. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it for me. <sighs> but that's it. I will say one thing, though. What's that? I'm probably going to cancel my pre-order of Nino Kuni 2. Yeah. Not because I don't want to play it, but because I have so many other things to play, I don't feel the urgency to play the sequel immediately. Yeah. I feel like I've had Nino Kuni. I've had my fill for a while. I definitely, definitely want to play the sequel, assuming that the changes they made to the combat don't ruin it. But I don't really care if I play it in March or in October. Yeah. So I'll probably cancel it. Hmm. Which is a weird thing for me to feel like I'm saying because I did like it yeah. a fair amount. Well, we're done with that one. Moving on to our next game in the year of the JRPG, which is Radiant Historia. With or without the subtitle? Uh, well, I'm playing with the subtitle. Yeah, and I'm playing without. So, Jay has reviewed, or he is reviewing, the new game that's coming out. It's actually, it came out today. I received it today. I'm looking at it right now. Perfect Chronology. Uh, Jay has tasked me with trying to convince you to get the 3DS version. <laughs> to which I said I will mention it to him, but I'm not going to force you to do that. What is his justification or reason? The reason why is because, A, everything is fully voice acted. B... It comes with a third timeline. So I, anybody out there who has never played Radiant History before, I would say this is the closest thing you'll get to a Chrono Trigger sequel. Uh, because you're basically going through time. And things that you do will affect history and change basically what the outcome is. And throughout the game, you're going through different timelines. And there's two main timelines that you can go through in this game. In the perfect chronology, they've added a third timeline that basically sheds light on what is going on in the background of other things. Now, I can't tell you what those things are. I have not played it. Uh, I have played Radiant Historia before. In fact, I reviewed it for ZTGD back whenever it came on the DS, the original DS. Uh came out of nowhere. I thought that game was amazing. I still think it's amazing. Hopefully it holds up. Seems like Jay, uh, in his first impressions, is telling me that this is a must-buy. So I'm a firm believer in the Radiant Historia hype. Not a lot of people out there played it. 
Um, it came out during a time, I think, right before the 3DS came out, and everybody was on the 3DS hype train. Mm. Uh, but uh, I firmly suggest this game to anybody who likes JRPGs. This is a very, very, very good game. Now, I, like I said, I, I can't say anything about the perfect chronology version. I I can say I can say a little bit about it. What can you say? So here here's my my sneak peek. I've started Radiant Historia. Um, one hour in. Yeah. I've played through the prologue. Okay. I have also spent just about one hour watching the prologue of Perfect Chronology on YouTube. Okay. And they are way different. Well, I wouldn't say way different. It, it's clearly the same game, but the translation is better. It is voiced. There's the art. There's more art in it. Uh huh. And it looks better. <laughs> so I'm a little bit torn because I want to say if this game is as good as you told me it was that it should be just fine to play through the DS version. But if I get many hours into this game and I don't like it, I'm going to wonder the whole time, would I have liked it more if I had got the better version? So here's... I am not going to reaffirm anything. That is not my call. But I will tell you, if Jay was on this podcast right now with us, he would say, Do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you Matt um, I there's already a full playthrough of the perfect chronology on YouTube no there was a like as a Her as teaser? a way to entice people yeah it was it was just just through the prologue that's right. it that's all that they had up there I got you and I, I just because I had just played through the prologue you wanted to see what uh, was different yeah, I, I wanted to see how it compared. Right. So what what actually happened is I went to hit start to see if I could save the game, and it skipped forward some amount of my cutscene, and I wanted to just go back and watch the original DS cutscene on YouTube to see what I had missed. And then I saw that there was the perfect chronology cutscene. I'm like, well, I, probably the same thing, right? It's basically the same thing. I'll be able to see what I missed regardless of which version it is. So I started watching that, and then I was like, oh, wow, this is... It's nice. <laughs> so that's up to you, man. I'm not going to force you to spend money. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to think. I need to think about it. I will tell you this: if you just, I, I am, I am going to try my best to play through the new third timeline. I don't know how it's going to work as far as talking about it on a podcast. I kind of liken it to when me and you went different ways in The Witcher 2. Yeah. And I'm curious as to what changes for our games if we did that. Um, But I, that's what I'm going to do. I've already kind of made up my mind. I'm going to try and do everything I can in the third timeline uh, to to get just a fresh take on this game. 
So that's up to you. That's 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 my plan. Whatever you feel like doing, I I'll back you one hundred percent. So um if you if you wanna live vicariously through me on what perfect chronology has to offer, I will <laughs> I will do my best to do that. Hmm. I have to contemplate. Sleep on it, perhaps. Okay, that's fine. But that will be the game we play. So, I know there's a few people out there who are going to be playing along with us on Radiant Historia. You have mentioned it before. I want to see those emails. Send in emails regarding Radiant Historia, our second game for the year of the JRPG. You can send emails at Drew, excuse me, Drew at ZTGD.com. Uh, we'll read them off on the show. You can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. But yeah, we're going to be playing through Radiant Historia for the next game. Don't know how long that's probably going to take us, but we're, we're probably going to get like six games done this year. <laughs> so that's just the way it goes. Uh, there's a couple other games on our short list. Uh, we are going to play through Final Fantasy Twelve. Uh, Twelve. Um, particularly the Zodiac Age version. I already have that purchased. Uh, we are we still on for Parasite Eve Two? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, that's another one we really want to do. Lost Odyssey is another one we really want to do. Folklore was another one we really wanted to do. Yep, I'm ready to go with that one. Yeah, I don't even own that. I'm sure I could find a copy somewhere, but um, we got a, we got a good short list. I know Jamie had mentioned that she would like us to possibly play through <laughs> Red Dead Redemption <laughs> as a palate cleanser. And I'm like, that's one hell of a palate cleanser, but <laughs> it is a game that is on our list. Uh, not particularly for JRPGs, but this one game that... Matt, I don't think you've ever played, have you? Nope. I started it, I put a couple hours in, and that's it. Yeah. I've I've beaten that game, and I've beaten Undead Nightmare, uh, but I, I beat that on the 360. I own the Ultimate Edition on PS3 and have never booted it up. So I am totally willing to play through Red Dead Redemption again. And since Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out this year... Timing makes sense. We may take a break from JRPGs to play through Red Dead Redemption. We'll see when we get there. By that time, I will be a married man. So, but yeah, that's that's it for us. Hell of an episode here. Yeah, I, so many so many emotions with this game that I had. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of emotions too. They were all mainly one emotion, but there were a lot of it. <laughs> I had it many times. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know what? If I wasn't doing it for Phoenix Down, I wouldn't have got as far as I did. So there you go. But that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll be back. I, I'm guessing next week. I'm going to try and play through some Radiant Historia. Uh, but until then. I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. 
and we're out of here. You guys have a great week, and uh, we'll be back next week with the continuation of the year of the JRPG with Radiant Historian.